Well, Get Well South Haven, it is good to be back with you this morning. It's been about a year since I have been up here with you guys, and so it is thrilling to my soul to be able to be back with you this morning. And let me just say that as we sing that last song, The Battle Belongs to You, that that is supremely important that we take that mindset into what we are studying this morning. That if you notice the line of that song is not the battle belongs to you, but I'm partly responsible for some of it too. That's not the way that song goes. That's not the truth of that song. The truth of the song is the battle belongs to you. No one else has the ability. No one else has the power. Only you have the ability and that power. So keep that. Keep that in the back of your mind as the bedrock of uh, the foundation as we talk about Psalm chapter one this morning. So I'm going to show and begin by talking, uh, I'm going to show my age a little bit possibly, and uh, I'm going to ask a little bit of audience participation. Uh, You're not going to have to say anything, so don't freak out too much, okay? But raise your hand if you remember the books that you would read growing up where you could pick your own ending. If you remember that, you could turn to a certain page, remember that. Okay, there's like 15 of us in here that read those books, but that's okay. Uh, so there was these books that I could read when I was growing up where you could pick your ending. So it would be like, turn to page 35 and get John to go into the haunted house. Or turn to page 43 and watch John run home screaming like a baby because he didn't want to go into the haunted house. And so you could pick your ending depending on where you turned in the book. Right now, I, again, I don't know... 15 of us in here recognize those books. The other amount of us, we don't, but I would encourage you to pick them up one day. They're pretty fun. All right, so this book, you could, you could pick your ending. When we open up to the book of Psalms, the beginning of the book of Psalms allows us to have this opportunity to pick your ending. Not the whole run away from a haunted house or enter a haunting house. That's not necessarily what Psalm 1 is talking about at all. But it does say that there are two paths before us. And so in Psalm chapter 1, when the psalmist is writing out, a lot of scholars would look and say Psalm 1 is is an opening to the entire book of Psalms. That not only does it stand alone as its own, but it also opens us up to the wisdom that we're about to read throughout the book of Psalms. And so the psalmist begins by saying that there's this way of looking at life and that God's people, they have two choices that are before them. One choice will lead to this outcome. One choice is going to lead to this outcome. And so the goal this morning is if we remember this, that lyric that we just sang, the battle belongs to you, so we're acknowledging the fact that God is all-powerful, understanding that, but then we want to listen to the warnings and the words that we see in Psalm chapter 1. So let's begin this morning by reading Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So the psalmist would begin here, again, uh, kind of opening to the entire book of Psalms, but also standing alone on its own. The psalmist begins by saying that there is a way for someone to have a happy life. 
So the word blessed that we see there is the word where we would understand our word happy. It's what we studied back in the summer when we did the Good Life series and we studied Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus says over and over, blessed is the, blessed is the. It's this word to mean happiness, transcendent happiness. This moment of, of uh, or this state of being happy. And so there is a possibility, according to what the psalmist here, that a person can be transcendently happy. And the person that is transcendently happy is one who does certain things and does not do certain things. So the psalmist first begins by looking at what that person does not do. So according to what the psalmist says here, there are three things that the person who is transcendently happy does not do. Walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the seat of scoffers. Now the way this is written is this way to intensify with every single line. So the idea behind this is a picture that the psalmist is painting where it goes from a person who listens to the counsel of the wicked, but then begins to hear that counsel and begins to think and belong and live out that advice of them. And then it begins to sit in the seat of scoffers, meaning that he's belonging to the way of that evilness. So it intensifies with every single line that the psalmist is writing, and he says that this way of living does not lead to blessedness, transcendent happiness. That is not what this, where this path leads, but there is a path that leads to happiness. The path that leads to happiness, according to what we read in God's word here this morning, it involves delighting in the instruction of the Lord. My translation, when I read it this morning, it says law. Your translation may say law or it may say instruction. This is a, a general word here that means to delight in the instruction of God's word. So how does one delight in God's instruction according to this passage? He meditates on it day and night. Now, when we see the word meditate in our current culture, we think that means quiet contemplation. But really, this word here does not actually mean quiet contemplation. It means to murmur. So sometimes you do this when you want to understand a thought. You will say it aloud to yourself. Or maybe I'm the only crazy one that will do that. But you will say it aloud so it begins to stick into your brain so that you understand it better. This is what this word meditate means here. It means that there's this reading aloud of God's truth in order to understand the statement that has been made. So according to what we see, opening up in the book of Psalms is the happy man. The happy person is the one who meditates on the truth of God. And this meditation on God's word brings him a deep sense of joy to his soul. That this is the way of transcendent happiness that we see. Now, you came to church this morning, so this is the truth that you expect to hear, right? Nothing that we've run over this morning has blown your mind or is something that you have not heard if you have been in church longer than one week. So this is what we expect to hear. But just because we know the truth of something does not mean that we don't allow that truth to be crowded out within our lives. So just because we know it's to be true doesn't mean we don't allow it to be crowded out. Great example. We all know that the speed limit on Getwell Road outside of this building is 40 miles an hour. 
That is the limit. That is the fastest we are supposed to go on Gitwell Road in front of the church here. But we all know that all of us, when we drive on Gitwell, we don't go 40. We go 45 at the minimum. And then everyone around us seems to be going faster than that. So what happens is we begin to drive a little bit faster. Why? We know the truth. What's the truth? 40 miles an hour. That's the limit. But what is everybody else doing? 50. So what are we doing? 48. (laughs) So just because we know the truth does not mean that we are not swept away in the current of what everyone else is doing. The same is true with the truth that we see in God's word. See, the psalmist, he lived thousands of years ago, but he's not ignorant to this fact. Notice in these verses, he uses the singular and he uses the plural. The psalmist would say that the one who is following after God, blessed is the man, singular, who meditates on the instruction of God. Then he says the way of the the way of not living this way is the way of the sinners, the way of the scoffers, plural. It is this psalmist way of saying that there is this majority of the people that will be living around you that will not be living a truly happy, transcendently happy life. It will seem like it. It will seem like everyone else is because it seems like the masses are doing this and that will sweep you away into forgetting the truth. The truth of the happiness that comes to humanity comes through meditating on God's word. But what the world around us is doing is moving and it's sweeping us away and convincing us that this is not the true way of happiness. And this is the 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 position that we find ourselves in all of the time, that the the culture, the world around us that is sweeping us away and crowding out the truth of God, really it revolves around these two mores, that the way of happiness, according to the world around us, centers on two mores, more pleasure and more stuff, that we live in a society, in a world, in a daily existence in which it seems that the happiest people in the world are the people with the most stuff. It's why you want new clothes. It is why you want new shoes. It is why you want more experiences. It is why you want better vacations. It is why you want more square footage. It's because we have been convinced that happiness is driven by more stuff. This is why advertisements are so effective to us. It's because it's telling us what? That our life is incomplete and therefore we need what? More. And if it's not more, it's better than what we have. So the 2015 Ford uh, Expedition that you drive is not as good as the 2022. So you should probably get one because the culture around us convinces us that the way of happiness is more stuff. Or it seems that the happiest people in the world seem to be the people with the most pleasure. 
that the way to happiness within our world is to ignore, to resist, to go away from anything that could cause us any type of pain or hardship within our lives. And if there is any type of pain or hardship in our lives, let's just try to ignore that because life is all about bringing pleasure to my life. So therefore, I want to do all of the activities I possibly can, go all of the places that I possibly can, have all of the experiences that I possibly can, do everything that I possibly can to get shots of dopamine that tell me my life is enjoyable. Because this is what we are told is going to bring happiness to our life. So church, this morning we know the truth, we have read the truth, that true happiness comes from those who meditate day and night on the instruction, on the truth of God. Yet we, as much as anyone else, get swept away by the current of more. Thinking that there is something else out there that is going to bring us true happiness. And so the psalmist then goes, hey, there's a warning that you need to hear. There's a result of this pathway that you're walking down. And so he continues in verse 3 down through verse 6. He who meditates on God's word is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so the psalmist, again, reflecting on these two paths, goes, the one that is meditating on God's truth is like a tree planted by streams of water. I love being outside, and I love this imagery. We see this imagery of trees and streams used throughout Scripture. And a lot of times it's used together. So in Genesis chapter 1, as God creates the, the perfect world for humanity to dwell in, what do we have? We have rivers and we have trees. Then as we talked about in the last series that we did in heaven, in the new heaven and the new earth, what is there in the new heaven and the new earth? There's this stream and there's this tree. It's this biblical picture that we see over and over again of vitality. Here, specifically in Psalm chapter 1, it's talking about happiness, that true happiness is like this tree that is planted next to this stream. That this tree is drawing its source of life from the stream. That if you think about the nourishment of a tree, the nourishment of the, the health of a tree is hidden within its roots, within its trunk, it's hidden within its branches, that there's this internal nourishment that is driving the health of the tree. That's why this tree is so healthy, because it's planted next to the tree, in the, in the stream. In the same way, the one who meditates on God's word, that is the one who is drawing eternal nourishment, internal nourishment that drives our happiness. That the happiness of humanity is dependent upon, reflecting upon the truth of God's word, planting ourselves like a tree next to a stream that is drawing up its nourishment from this stream. And it's an internal nourishment. This is why Jesus would say that he was going to be the one who would give unending water. 
that he would be drawing up water from an unending well is he's trying to get humanity, he's trying to get us to understand this concept that when we plant ourselves by the never-ending water of Jesus that we're drawing up our nourishment from him, that it is this internal nourishment from our time spent with Jesus that allows the Christian to be fruitful. It is not you trying harder. It is you drawing up the nourishment from the stream planted next to the stream of Jesus, drawing up that internal nourishment so that you can then be fruitful, as the psalmist would say here. And also notice that this tree is said to be planted I think the psalmist is very particular in the words that he uses. The reason that he uses this idea of planted is he's getting us to understand this imagery where the roots of this tree, it is not moving. They are going deep into the soil next to this stream. And as it's drawing up this nourishment, it's this idea that it is planted where it is. And that for the person who is meditating on the word of God, that happy person is a person who is focused on being rather than doing. That line right there could just be the sermon itself. We could close and walk out of here because this is what we need to hear today. We have to be focused on being rather than doing. The culture around us, this culture of more, more pleasure and more stuff is centered on doing. In order to get more things, you must do more to get more money to purchase more things. You must go more places. You must do more things. It is all about doing, going. But the one who is truly happy is planted, is focused on being. That true happiness for a Christ follower is one who is reflecting and, and knowing and understanding and drawing up nourishment from who they are in Jesus. That you are a child of God, that you are considered holy in the sight of God because of the blood of Jesus, that you've been brought into the family of God, that you are an ambassador for the kingdom of God. These things are yours in Christ Jesus, not because you earned them, but because he gave them to you. This is who you are. This is who you are to be. And when we reflect in that being, who we know we are, then what does the psalmist say? This is what brings transcendent happiness, is that we focus on our being. And when we focus on our being, the psalmist would say, then we are able to prosper. This is his way of saying that the storms that come against this tree that is drawing up the nourishment from this stream, that when it grows internally strong, it is able to withstand everything that the weather is going to throw at it. So whether it's wind, whether it's hail, whether it is whatever type of storm that's coming that way, this tree can navigate, can weather the storms that are coming. When you and I plant ourselves to the unending stream of Jesus, then when the, the storms of life come, we are able to weather the storm because we are drawing our nourishment from a never-ending stream of Jesus Christ himself. 
that we are able to get through these storms, that we are able to prosper. So when we focus on our being by meditating in God's truth, then we can weather the storms in our lives. See, this is the difference, the psalmist would say. This is the difference between those who are meditating on the truth of God's word to find true happiness versus what we've been told around us we should pursue after in order to find happiness. That the world around us, this world of more, seems like they're happy. But what happens when those mores turn to lesses? What happens when you don't have more money? What happens when you don't have more pleasure? What happens when you don't have more experiences? Then scripture would say it is like chaff that drives away in the wind. Again, this is this old imagery when you would think of a a kernel of grain. It would have this coating on the outside of it that's known as chaff. Chaff at one time in the life cycle of this plant holds a purpose. But when it becomes chaff, it, it dries up. It loses its nourishment. And so what they would do is they would beat the wheat on the floor to be able to drive away this chaff. It had lost its sense of nourishment, so it would fly away in the wind. See, the things of this, this life, the things of more, more pleasure and more stuff, those things were never meant to be a provision of nourishment for our lives. And if we look to those things for provision of nourishment in our lives, when life gets hard and those mores become lesses, then what happens is the thing that we are holding on to to bring us life goes away in the life, in the wind of life, and we are left with nothing to bring us nourishment. This is why the psalmist is looking at his life and he's going, we have two choices before us to plant ourselves by the never-ending stream of God, or we can look to everything else like the culture around us, and then when we're left with less, we're wondering what in the world are we going to do? That get well, we have to be a church that we cannot be fooled into thinking that the happiness is all is found in the moors of this world. I Chief among us must not be swept away in this idea that the happiness of our lives is found in the more of this world. That happiness, true, transcendent happiness is found in God's truth. The basic thing that you were taught in in growing up in Sunday school or in, in, in VBS still remains true. That true, transcendent happiness is found in God's truth that we must, as God's people, as Christ followers, plant ourselves by the the richness of the streams of Jesus on a daily basis. Reading God's word, speaking to him in prayer, drawing up our nourishment from the unending stream of Jesus. See, church, we can't be shocked. We can't be shocked if we're not planting ourselves by the streams of Jesus on a daily basis that our relationship with Jesus lacks vitality. That shouldn't shock any of us because what we've done is we've picked up that tree that's supposed to be by the stream and we've transplanted it to a desert and said, grow. That daily, 
Daily we spend times on the bank of the river drawing up our nourishment from Jesus so that we are not swept away, growing our deep roots deep in the soil of our relationship with Jesus so that we're not swept away into thinking that more stuff or more pleasure is going to bring us true happiness in our lives, that we cannot continue to look to things outside of God and expect it to bring us happiness when it was never designed to do so. That we have to listen to the truth of God's word and know that he is calling us to live a life for his glory and for us to find true happiness. That as we begin this, this study of understanding and knowing who God is and that God is truth, if he is the source of truth, then listen to him this morning. Listen to him this morning. That tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're going to be just as tired as you were this morning and yesterday morning. You're going to have as much stuff, maybe even more so on your plate. And the temptation is going to be to not spend time by the streams of Jesus. That you need to get out of bed and do more and go faster. And you got to get your kids to school before they're late again for the third time in the semester. And you got to make sure that you get them where they need to be. And you've got this stuff that you've got to turn in. You got to make sure you do that. So I got to get out of the bed and I got to get going. And the whole time, the devil is whispering in your ear yes, focus on doing what Jesus is calling you to be. To be. Listen to the truth of God's word. It is what drives and points us to the happiness that God is wanting for us. Spending time planting ourselves by the stream of Jesus. And thanks be to, be to God, as, as Hunter said this morning, that the reason we are gathering together is because of what, what Christ has done through his life, his death, and his resurrection. That the only reason we're able to have this conversation is because Jesus came. And because Jesus came and he, he went to the cross and he paid the punishment for your sin and for my sin. And he resurrected from the dead and said those who trust in that truth, well then they will be like new creations living as my ambassadors within the world. And so this morning as we have gathered together, it's communion Sunday where we get to celebrate what Christ did on the cross the way that he provided a way for us to be with God both now and forever. So as we prepare this morning to take communion, I want to pray over us, and then Hunter is going to come and lead us in partaking communion as the body of Christ. So let us pray together this morning. God, as we have gathered in this place to worship you through song and through teaching, we reflect upon the truth that you speak to us this morning, that true happiness is found in your word. And tomorrow morning when we wake up, the furthest thing that could be from our brain is going to be that truth because, this, because Satan wants to keep us from it. But I pray in the morning when we arise that what will be driving us forward is the truth, that true happiness is found in you and nothing else. So Father, as we have a time of reflecting upon the sacrifice of Jesus this morning, 
I pray that you're able to limit any distraction they may keep us from seeing you more clearly this morning. So thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, for the life of Jesus, for the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for communion that we can remember all the length that you went to to bring us into your family. Father, thank you for being better to us than what we could possibly think or imagine. And we lift ourselves over to you as a moment of offering, and we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.